What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of SIDCast. I am David Gibson. I am the Student Assistant of Athletic Communications here at the University of Southern Indiana. If this is your first time and you like what you've heard here in the first, I don't know, 13 seconds, uh, be sure to hit that subscribe button on iTunes. I want to thank everyone personally for who has already gone and rated and reviewed this show over on iTunes. We do have a five-star rating average, so I really do appreciate it. I mean, I, I like you all. You, you all are great. And especially when things like that, to know to know that somebody actually likes what you do, it, it it's a it's a completely different feeling, like otherworldly feeling, and that, that's why I like making these episodes. So, I, to those of you who have rated and reviewed, thank you, thank you very much from the bottom of my heart. I mean, that's that's completely awesome. Is 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 the best way that that I can put it. Uh, but we will focus on what today's episode is all about, and that is Danny Campbell. He is the SID out at Pacific University, the Boxers, actually. That's kind of a different name. I didn't really think about that. We should have talked about that, now that I think about it. I don't know. Oh, I failed you in that aspect, but we do talk about some other things. That um, It'll mostly be kind of like job-seeking, maybe uh, some of Danny's experiences that he's had in the past. I mean, you, those of you who have been around this episode this this thing long enough know basically how these episodes are going to go uh danny's a guy that has been around all over the place and and he takes part in a lot and i mean a lot of twitter chats i I was literally looking at twitter not but uh, two minutes ago right before i started this and danny was participating in a student athlete development chat uh he's a guy that's really really involved with that sort of thing and sharing knowledge and not only that but kind of networking with with different people and sharing ideas there there are several occasions to where you know we would be in a chat maybe yp sports t- chat or a side chat with kelvin quellies and, and don veith but there would be several instances to where danny would you know text me or, or message me saying you know i like what you said there and then we would kind of bounce ideas off of each other in that respect. So he is a very intelligent man. I'm going to go ahead and tell you guys the cringeworthy, cringeworthy story of when I first met Danny Campbell. It was at Cosida back in June. Uh, I had just introduced myself to Sterling and James and we were going to go to dinner. And then I look over and I see Danny and I'm like, I, I want to talk to him. And Sterling's like, yeah, yeah, I do too. And, and James is like, yeah, sure. Why not? So I go over there and, and I put my hand on Danny's shoulder and I'm like, Mr. Campbell. And then he was already still talking to somebody. And then I just, I was like, I don't know. It was a really embarrassing moment for me. And, and James gives me, the, gives me this look like, you know, wow, that was, that was, that was a great first impression. But uh, nonetheless, uh, Danny is our guest today. And, and I do um, really value the things that he says and I, I like I said I, if you haven't met Danny I, I don't know if that if you listen to Tuesday talk I kind of talked about this a little bit if you haven't met Danny yet I highly recommend you reach out to him after the end of this episode uh, he is all about getting somebody set ready for their career we'll talk about his hashtag get set and, and among other things I don't want to spoil anything else he also might be the one and only person uh, that I've ever met that knew what an SID was in high school and actually aspired to be an SID. So that a little different, a little different today. We do, we do have a different angle here. Before we get into Danny's interview, I just want to mention a few things real quick. And I know that I, I said this in the beginning of the show, but uh, rating and reviewing, um, incredibly important. If you haven't done it already, it just takes a couple seconds, guys. And it's just either a one star or a five star. You, you do whatever you want. 
Uh, it's up to you. You're your own person. So I'm, I'm not going to judge you if you give me a one. I understand that there are going to be some people that absolutely hate this. I haven't met a single one of those people, but I understand they're probably going to be somebody down the line because they're, you know, they're always, always, always is. But um, another thing, if you want to go ahead and follow us on Twitter and Facebook using at Sports InfoCast, you can also follow us at Sports InfoCast on Instagram. So we are over on there kind of working out uh, kind of guidelines for maybe an Instagram takeover day or in negotiations with it uh, as of right now. Um, so we're going to see what's, what's going on with that. Uh, next week we will have... Tim Hansen from Rogers State, that's uh, down in Oklahoma. For those of you that don't know your geography, uh, he'll be on the pod. Uh, he, he's been an avid listener, a very big proponent, and I, I'm very, very grateful that he actually reached out and uh, wanted partic- or uh, you know, if I can get my English out, he wanted to be a volunteer for a guest. So uh, thank you, Tim, for that. And final thing, guys, if if you you know have any feedback or, or any sort of thing, uh, and, and funny story, real quick. Uh, you can always email me at sportsinfocast at gmail.com. I actually got, and I think it was a joke from from one of my uh, friends I'm seeing. Um, she filled out uh, the uh, the form on the website, sidcast.fireside.fm, and she put, Yo, can I have your digits? I'm your biggest fan. So that was a that was a little different to get that email and then kind of like wonder who the heck that was for for a while and then you know she's like oh I did that don't you don't you remember I was like okay yeah sure whatever more you do what you you do what you want but um we will start off today Danny Campbell with an episode 38 of SID Cast who's named to the Athletic Hall of Fame and an inaugural class at Columbus State Community College right here on SIDcast. Columbus State Community College, yes, I was very fortunate to start my academic career there right out of high school and be involved with their athletic department. But it's the academic, the sport and exercise studies program as part of their inaugural Hall of Fame class back in 2006 and have been very blessed to be a part of that program, a very active member of the, with the alumni coming back every year for the Hall of Fame except for one, but also still involved and then recently appointed by the president of the community college to the advisory board to contribute to how to enhance the sport and exercise studies program there at Columbus State Community College. Uh, obviously one of the most profound experiences of my personal and professional life and obviously people that make up the Columbus State Community College program are still to this day very influential in my personal life, but also my professional life with mentorship, but also just accountability and responsibility to the goals and dreams that I have as a person, as a professional as well. And you just kind of mentioned there, and I'm just curious that we've never really had anybody that's been in that kind of advisory role before within an athletic department. Uh, so what are some, some things that you have done, maybe some responsibilities that you've been tasked with over at uh, the community college? Actually, it's it's the academic department. Okay. Like the, the college sports management program, or sport. Now it's called sport and exercise studies. When I was there, it was sport and fitness management technology. You know, my background, before even getting to Columbus State, you know, is how I entered, you know, the program under, you know, unusual circumstances. I entered... Community, the community college on a 24-hour leave from a psychiatric ward, and obviously, you know, when I arrived there, they accepted me as a person and as a person that had aspirations and professional aspirations and 
sat me down and helped me establish those first professional goals for myself. Even though I knew them mentally, I couldn't. I didn't have the, the keys to the vehicle physically. And obviously, over the since 1994, they've been you know keys to the car, passengers in the car, and obviously helped take you know take me through the path of life. You know the windy roads, the U-turns, whatever analogy you want to use. You know that program has been been rock solid for me, and I look forward to. You know, I just was appointed to the committee here at the at the first of July, so obviously I haven't done much with it, but I've been around it as a Hall of Fame member, coming back for it every year. You know, I've seen the program grow from you know 25 students to over, you know, I think it's over 400 students, but then here in the last few years, it's combined with the athletic department, but then it's strengthened its relationship on its campus, and it's you know I can see how it is done as a community college program integrated and it's something that energizes me in my current position about how to establish you know key relationships on campus wow that's from 25 to 400 that that's quite a bit of growth uh so when you first started your professional career maybe as an undergrad student had you ever heard of a sports information director before i was very fortunate growing up in eldridge island i alluded to earlier growing up in a household where my father got the sporting news each week and then when he was a traveling salesman, he would take my brother or I or both of us to their football games on Saturday. And then, you know, when he was helping out with the football games, he helped run the football programs chain game. You know, he'd always get the game program from either the equipment manager or somebody. And obviously, he could run the chain game during the game. But my brother and I were, in, you know, enthralled by getting the game program. And I, you know, digested that information. I from head to toe, you know, from cover to cover, you know, reading the coaches' biographies or reading about the players. And then finally, you know, as I got older and matured it as an individual, seeing the personalities behind the publication, you know, knowing who Nancy Justice, one of the, you know, silent mentors for me, young in my career, you know, growing up reading Northern Iowa publications and be like, hey, that's a career I could do later on in life. And then while I was in high school, I knew what sports information was, how they communicate stories of student athletes and coaches. So I kind of modeled my high school career, actually, of wanting to be a sports information director. I was one of the first sophomores at Williamsburg High School, coincidentally, same high school as Mike Buffini's Cardinals manager. Hmm. And, uh, you know, obviously, so in high school, I signed up to be involved with the school television station, you know, earlier than any, you know, there was very few sophomores that were involved with the television station so i did that all three years of our high school because at my high school sophomores through seniors just went to one building the freshmen were at another building with the junior high mm-hmm. and so i did that for three years but the same teacher we had for television also instructed the newspaper but the newspaper had the requirement that you took i thought there was a requirement for the prerequisite was a journalism class but i felt i needed to get practical experience to I was more willing to wanting to do the actual work rather than learning the foundation skills at the time. So I did television sophomore, junior year, and senior year, and then my the school newspaper my junior and senior year. But would you know uh, midway through my sophomore year, they asked me to contribute to the you know the newspaper. But I had great mentors that you know have now gone on to great do great things in high school with my advisor, but then also upperclassmen, Jason Keister and David Scott, who did, you know, were the early trendsetters and people that could 
pulled me aside and showed me how to be a great sports journalist. You know, but we were technically the sports information directors for our high school. You know, huh. Dave and Jason traveled to home and away to the basketball games. You know, Dave was like myself. We didn't have our driver's license, so frequently we would travel with the teams, you know, and stuff like that. So obviously, you know, we had our high school football coach who was, you know, a very successful high school coach before coming to us, but brought a college-like program. You know, he had coached Archie Griffin in high school football. He, we had unprecedented success, so it generated media interest. And it was interesting that, yes, we are the student media, but we also played a key role in contributing to just the promotion of the high school as well. You are the first person on this podcast to say he knew what a sports information director was in high school. So when people asked you what you wanted to be when you, when you kind of, you know, grew up in a sense, uh, you know, moved on from high school, how did you explain what you wanted to do to people? I, I was very, like I said, I was very fortunate that my father was around college Netflix my uh-huh. entire life. So obviously he knew what I was talking about. But when I explain, and I still to this day spend a lot of time educating people on what a sports information director is, I still use a lot of the same examples. I feel like we are the public or media relations, you know, liaison for our institutions or our employers to the outside, you know, and I think that's how I still explain it, you know, on a very 30-second version. But obviously, I know our jobs are wide-encompassing because, for example, my last job at the University of Toledo, I helped serve as the webmaster of the website. You know, but that now has worked into, you know, obviously giving me a foundation skill set to help in that area. But obviously, I think partnerships with companies like Sidar, Presto, SID, help whoever you use, they continue that growth in their knowledge for, you know, to supersede my knowledge. I still have that foundation, a little bit of knowledge of HTML coding, but also just the, you know, knowing how the job has evolved, but also having those foundation skills too. And in your opinion, kind of throughout your tenure, how has the job evolved? I think it, it still is built on the foundation of being built on you know, basic skills of, you know, if it's writing, communicating information is what I would go back to. You know, how do you communicate that information? That's how it's, now that's how we're changing. You know, like, for example, how I spent, how I've spent my last few days as we've started our football practices. I'm, you know, out there shooting video. You know, in one 30 seconds, then the next minute I'm shooting a video live for a social media channel. Then another 30 seconds I'm doing it for another social media <laughs> channel. And how that all has evolved. And then we don't have a day-to-day like newspaper that covers this here at Pacific University, but we also have a great relationship with our media. So if there's something that you know I can be that that next foundation of the sports information profession about being collaborators. You know, we. If it's working with our coaches, you know, I was very humbled last night to receive, you know, a Twitter message from my football coach to express his appreciation. You know, obviously, you know, obviously he sees the work that we're doing. We have the analytics to prove that our fans are watching it. It may not be like in the traditional, you know, old sports information media where you only saw it on television and newspaper. But we feel like we are still built on that foundation of being collaboration. I, you know, reach out to our media to see if, hey, do you need to come out, you know, want to come out to practice, or I have my coaches' practice schedules for the fall preseason. I know if it, you know, we can fit in a time to do a, a preseason interview, or, you know, obviously I'm working with my athletic director to pull off events, you know, like that structure of having or 
organization for game management. You know, obviously those are you know three in terms of like being organized with your coaches, being organized with your you know within your athletic department staff, communication and collaboration. I think are all still foundations that when we're doing this job in 21, 18, 17, whatever, you know, you know, we, we still need to be doing those things. And I think it still goes back to, you know, my predecessors in the profession that, you know, inspired me to want to get into this. They had that, you know, how they went about to communicate their story. If it was, you know, the Friday night before the Saturday football game meetups that, you know, are part of the history of sports information, things like that, that, you know, the 21st century sports information director may not realize the value of that, but I think it's something that we can't lose sight of. You've been to quite a few places uh, ever since graduating from Toledo. Why moving around so much? Did you feel that it was important to kind of, you know, live in certain areas? Well, my mother would want me to say I wanted to live in, you know, three different time zones. <laughs> but I, I think it just comes from having just been having goals, you know. Each time I've made a move, I've made, I, you know, took on responsibilities and I asked to take on responsibilities that are in line with both personal and professional goals, you know, at like, for example, in my current position, I'm very involved with, you know, in collaboration with our university marketing communications department, our alumni department, our advancement department, but also, you know, things like that that I haven't been exposed to at a past job. So that's why, you know, I wanted to make the change. But then obviously, you know, obviously when I made the change from Florida International in 2006 to Texas A&M Commerce later that year, that was going from entirely all D1 background to a D2 background. And then when I made the decision to leave Texas A&M University Commerce, I went to Wisconsin Platteville, which was my first Division three institution. But that was a move based on family. You know, all my family was in, most of my family was within four hours of that position. But obviously, you know, it was aspirations. Because you know, I feel like what I'm doing on the Division three level today is very similar to what my colleagues are doing at for example, the University of Iowa or Indiana University, they may have larger numbers of people, but I feel like we have a lot of the same foundation responsibilities and making those moves have allowed me to be a lot more hands-on in terms of professional stuff. But also personally, you know, sometimes I've made, you know, I've made the decision for a move, you know, with family in mind as well. Two things based of, of what you just said there. How important is it to kind of expose yourself to different things? Like you said, at Pacific, you're more into the marketing and things like that with the university. So how important is it for current and future job seekers to be open to, to getting those experiences that maybe they haven't experienced at a previous job? You know, I feel like, you know, thankfully I've had early mentors at the Naval Academy that exposed me to opportunities beyond just being in sports information like how the different spokes of the wheel come together. And, you know, if you follow me on Twitter, you'll see the acronym set, you know, strategic, engaged, and teamwork. And I think that's part of being that sport. That's part of the role of being a sports information director, that teamwork aspect of the athletic department. You know, when I worked at the Naval Academy, part of my job in the mornings, I was the switchboard operator for the, for the athletic department, but it provided an extra income, but it also allowed me to establish a working relationship with everybody in the department. You know, that's how I was able to strengthen a relationship with a great person that I admire as a person, but also as a professional for how hard he has worked to get where he's at. And now he's in his ultimate goal, the power five athletic director. So being around that kind of people, but also that kind of opportunities, I think it's important to understand all the 
as a sports information director, how that all comes together. You know, how that teamwork, how, how do you engage with your facilities person to be a better sports information director? How do you work with your marketing partner? And I think it's, you know, it's just diversifying your skill set. You know, it's strengthening your strengths and working on your weaknesses. And I think, you know, obviously the more you can contribute to an organization, I think that's where, for a job seeker, I think the ability to share that, you know, if it's on your resume or establish that while you're in your current position for your future position, I think it's important to develop that. You know, obviously, you know, we all have 24 hours a day. We all have seven days a week. I think that's the biggest struggle is that, you know, how do you delegate and assign your time effectively? You know, I'm very fortunate. I work with a, probably one of the best athletic directors I've ever worked for in my current career. He's the one that's empowered me. He's established, you know, he saw that drive and that determination in me. And I think that's why I'm able to do it in my current position. But obviously I, I'm still mindful that, yes, I have to have my stack crew on my computer for 2017, 18. I've still got to, you know, work with my, you know, game operations staff. You know, still those things we talked about in the last question, that foundation sports information is important because, if you know, when you're a job seeker, you ha- you're going to research that job just as much as they're going to research you. You know, how do you fit into that department? So obviously, we t- like we talked about in the last part, you know, making the decision to go on to another opportunity, you know, you need to understand that, you know, how can you grow in that position? How are you going to leave it from day one to better than day 357, like where I'm at, at Pacific University? How do, how am I going to be better each and every day? And that, you know, like that's what you have to keep in mind as a job seeker. Job descriptions may not be as exhaustive, but that's what you can ask. Or you can, like what I did for my job here at Pacific, is I reached out to one of the predecessors in the position, you know, asking him questions, you know, I, Obviously, you know, I wanted to research this job because I wanted to show them in my application materials, my interview, how passionate and how I wanted to be successful as a team player and be a contributor to the success of our athletic program. We've talked about it on a couple other uh, episodes, but I'm just curious as to what your, your input is. You went from D1, D2, D3 kind of just straight through. So what, what are some differences that you saw or have there really been any differences at any level that you've been at? I think it's the main difference is just the level of media interest. But the, how I've counteracted that is that I've I've learned and engaged with colleagues and other industry leaders on how to spread that message when there isn't a media. I've I've gone 360 or not 360, maybe 180 to going where I have the same five reporters every day at football practice when I went with my first bosses at the Naval Academy to now we're. If I see them at Pacific, I'm like, okay, we need to make sure we see you again and that kind of relationship. But I feel like those foundations of making sure that they have their information or their access, working in collaboration to be successful. And, you know, like that goes back to the E upset, engage, you know, engage with them to for everybody to be successful. Obviously, here at Pacific, we have 24 sports, so it's hard for one person to tackle it all. So I have you know, people that are around me that will help me out. Whereas, you know, obviously other Division three institutions I've been at, I've been a one-person show. I don't, I didn't have a graduate assistant or an intern, but I also feel value in developing student workers into the smaller tasks to make up for staff size differences. I think those are some things that you see from a Division one, Division two, Division three that are different. But I think you 
as you know the person in that hat how i delegate my or assign my time is just as important as it is for a division one you know i'm not sitting here on a friday night as a division three sports information director as concerned about you know if it's going to be a you know I don't know what the term would you would say. Not your non-traditional media covering the story about your athletic program. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not worrying about that coming out on a Friday night at the university. But you have to have that foundation skill set of how you handle crisis communication. How would you answer that response? Because that has happened at the university prior to my arrival, and you had to, you know, we had to have a plan in place. Or at past jobs, we've had to have plans in place in case something did happen. But on the division one, I, I think you have. To that plan is visited a lot more often, but I think it's important to have that that foundational strategy, that foundation. Who do you reach out to in an emergency? What is your, you know, who is your spokesperson in a crisis? Things like that. You know, obviously, how do you respond to national events? As a Division three institution, may, our response to it, you know, will only be publicized further if we use it, you know, as a platform to grow recognition. But obviously, we have to be mindful of it, but we have to be, you know, how do we handle those kind of situations is, is very important. Whereas in Division One, you have a lot more media attention. You may have that reporter that comes to practice every day that could uncover a situation or be exposed to something. So obviously, you know, I've, you know, I've been very fortunate throughout my career. I always try to build a relationship with my media members so they know how to work with me or and my coaches or my student athletes, you know, with like I said, with 650 plus student athletes at Pacific, I can't, you know, be around them 24/7. But I can understand their story and help tell their story in collaboration and work with the coaches. You know, I want to be engaged in the recruiting process. I want to see the student athletes do things academically and support them. You know, in that aspect as well. You kind of mentioned crisis communication, and it's something that we haven't really talked about here on this show. But I know that there are, are some places out there that maybe don't have a crisis communication plan uh, in place for things and contingencies that may happen to their athletic department. So for those who do not have a plan in place, how would you go about suggesting that they start that, uh, ex- at the very least, a conversation with their university? You know, obviously, the first and foremost, I think you need to check within your within your actual athletic department. If there's not a plan there, obviously that's where you would, you know, you would want to start. But also within your campus, you know, I've had previous village at Laterno to my past job to Pacific is to have a great working relationship with our director of university relations. You know, Janet was, and I had a very harmonious relationship. We worked together through a lot of situations and helped develop one there at Laterno with our university cabinet, as well as our athletic director, a lot of different people, but obviously when you look at certain situations that have occurred, you know, that's the strength of our membership within Coastside. A little small plug for everybody to renew their membership while I talk about it. <laughs> but I think it's important for, you know, that's one of the strengths of our organizations, reaching out to our colleagues. You know, I feel at Pacific, I can reach out to a Division One Power 5 sports information director on how that their institution has done it. But then also looking at some of the situations and saying, okay, how, you know, who would I contact at that institution? Is there, you know, you know, someone I can talk to? Is there, you know, looking at those and treat them as real life case studies to say, okay, maybe that, you know, they do have a plan in place. You know, obviously,
obviously I'm fortunate. I keep a lot of, I'm not the most ecologically conscious. Sometimes I keep papers on or keep notes or keep email folders and things like that of different things. But that's one thing that, like I said, would strengthens our organization as Cosida. We have a very tight knit community. There's people that have gone through experiences that, you know, can educate, you know, you as a sports information director on how to handle situations. How I handle situations at Pacific may be different than how Eric McDowell handles it at different than him at Union, just because obviously the nature of having media, things like that. But obviously learning, like we talked about, those different spokes of the wheel, you know, how do you get it all to come together for you to be successful in that sports information role? And I think it's it's important for us to understand how you know we can help one another, help help our colleagues to be successful in our profession. We shouldn't be on islands by ourselves. We, we, we can collaborate as one strong body as sports information directors, you know, in crisis communication, campus communication, in a lot of different areas. We need to advocate for our chairs at the table for, you know, because we are the communications, in my mind, the communications experts within our athletic departments. And that's our responsibility is to, you know, to advocate for that chair at the table and be in that dialogue and be in that communication conversation we interact more at times as you know sports information professionals with the media than our campus partners or our presidents and things like that but i think having that voice but also working with our with our you know our colleagues that's one thing that i spend you know my time away from work you know seeing how other people like i contacted a colleague this morning i really like how you did something need to reach out to you about that i want to you know, I think that's one way to handle, you know, crisis communication is just, you know, obviously, you know, that's where our co-sided community does a great job of looking at our profession and identifying situations so we can be versed on how to address topics, but also coming down to key areas like we've talked about with crisis communication. I want to talk about something that the first time I actually met you down at COSIDA, I asked you about this. Uh, and you kind of touched on it here a couple times actually throughout this interview, but get set your social media brand. What, how did you come up with it and why did you think that it was important and how do you kind of apply it in the whole realm of what you do? Okay. Well, I'll give a little bit of background. The, the get set comes about from doing a, I wouldn't say a pilot study, but or an in-depth study with one of my actually one of my former student athletes at Indiana University, Quake Cooper, who was a phenomenal sport management professor, but has now moved into an entrepreneur, you know, speaker. So I went through one of his leadership training seminars a couple summers ago, and I felt like you know I had direction of where I wanted to go with my career, but I really could never articulate it. And then with you know the emergence of social media and hashtags and things like that. I felt like I you know, needed to have an identity of myself. I've always had a nickname if it's DK or Speedy or you know, different, you know, Danny Ballgame, different nicknames that I've gotten throughout my, but I never really thought about how would I communicate to my audience with my authenticity of my message. So obviously that's how I came up with the idea of having a brand and then obviously coming, you know, Putting that brand on paper, I had a baseball student athlete whose girlfriend was working for Nike, 
And while working at Nike, you know, she was never exposed to what she could do after her either employment opportunity, like no advancement with it, or even after her internship, like how do you go from step one to step two in your career? So with her being a former track athlete, we came up with the idea of set. You know, we think in sports of being ready, being organized, being prepared. So that's why I use the words, the full word of set. And then obviously how it breaks down into S, scanning for strategic or having short-term and long-term goals. You know, finding the accountability, responsibility, you know, to yourself, but to your organization, to those around you. You know, and I think that's important. But then that leads to engage. You know, I'm very engaged. I, I tell my coaches, my best office is when I'm sitting in your office or sitting on your participation surface or standing on your participation surface. I want to, I want to engage with, you know, the people within my profession. You know, obviously, like you said, meeting at the Cosida Convention, you know, engaging with people regardless of experience. You know, it doesn't matter. You know, we can all learn from one another in different ways. Engaging, and now as I, you know, look to grow, you know, how do I engage with academics? Like, uh, that's why I do a, a variety of different Twitter chats, because I feel like it's a way for me to learn the different intricacies of just life in general, but also with a focus on helping the aspiring individual, if it's sports and things like that. And that leads to the last part, teamwork. I feel like, you know, throughout my 17 years of my professional life, you know, bringing the person that I met back as an intern at the Naval Academy or my first bosses at, you know, Toledo and connecting them to aspiring professionals or how do, like you asked about earlier, going from D1 to D2 to D3, how do you connect these SIDs? You know, how do I connect them all together? Or how can I reach out to the academics professional at Florida International Dr. Wesley Moss, you know, how do we connect as, how do sports information directors work with our academic person, that teamwork aspect, you know, I think that's all part of that set. So when you're set, you're ready to achieve, you're ready to accomplish, but also be held accountable and responsible as well. And obviously it's still, you know, more of a concept. I, at, over the last few years, I've started to brand that on the reverse side of my business card. This year was the First year, I didn't put it on the first side of my business card, but obviously it'll be something I'll be revisiting over the, you know, in the future. But obviously, I think it, you know, I have aspirations of taking that to other other levels, but I also want to be mindful of that and thankful for the opportunities I have here at Pacific and want to, you know, just instill that in my day-to-day life with other people without, you know, putting my career here at Pacific in jeopardy or not having that as my perspective. I think it's it just shows the personal side of who I am. We kind of talked about this off air and you touched on it there for just a second, but how important is it uh, to you as well as to any other professional out there to be a part in these social media chats and these opportunities that there are on social media? You know, obviously my, I'm consumed by social media Twitter chat, so I'm probably not the fair one to ask that, <laughs> but I, but I think it's just part of that, you know, that wanting to grow as a person, but also as a professional. I think that's why I choose to do it. I don't, everybody has a different reason for wanting to do it. I think it's, it's one of those, what you put into it is what you're going to get out of it. If you're just looking for it to, you know, populate your Twitter feed and read on a 
on a particular afternoon or evening. I don't know what you're, if you're now, if you can, you know, what I have done in the past is printed out the conversation and said, oh, I need to talk to Jim Abbott at Oklahoma City University more about a program he's put on or something like that. Or what are you doing in response to the chat? I think if you just let it be something you do just for communication or community, I think sometimes that can be confusing. I think it's great that, you know, with the development of Twitter chats, that people are now meeting up as a community at the convention. I think, but I think it, the chats provide that opportunity that it doesn't matter if you're just starting in the profession or wanting to see what the profession's all about. I think that's where, you know, obviously the big explosion has happened is you have those people that really don't have the number of years experience, but they have desires, they have experience, they have aspirations of wanting to know how to do things. You know, it's interesting. Some of the people I know through social media, that's all out. Well, I know them. I don't. I if they walk by me at the Safeway here at breakfast this morning and walk by me, I would not know them or because not everybody like where's their Twitter handle or what. But I think they provided me the opportunity. Like, you know, we have a great you know moderator of our YP Sports Chat, Katie, who's phenomenal about doing follow-up communication, and that's something that you know I kind of to be honest that lacks a base cold out here as of late. But I think how to connect with people beyond there. You know, how do you take that person from just, oh, I Twitter chat with them every Thursday at 5 o'clock. Well, no, this is now when you meet the person at the convention, well, that's a person that can I can ask, you know, career advice or, you know, how do they handle certain situations rather than it just being a community. Like, we all live in the same neighborhood, but we never, like, go play out in our front porch together or go, you know, play G.I. Joe's together or play cars or, or trade baseball cards like I did. But, you know, things like that, you know, how, is it just a community that we want to just be in or do we engage in that community to grow personally and professionally? I'm, I'm very fortunate and I'll be the person that I feel like my involvement in Twitter chats probably opened the door for me to get this op- current opportunity that I have here at the city. I feel, you know, it was that interaction that my athletic director saw, but also it provided a way for, I think, you know, it's part of that extension of that personal brand that when people saw my social media presence that, hey, this is a guy that we wanted on our team. He has access to ideas, but he also has his own ideas. You know, it's interesting that, you know, I get likes of some of my tweets from the Twitter chats from people within my own institution because it's another way for us to, you know, I feel like, Thinking, we're doing good things here and you're helping share that story it opens the door of communication for my colleagues if it's my campus pr to people my campus development people it now their colleagues will want to say hey hey you know somebody at pacific you know zach in university development at pacific can you ask him about how he did this program it, it provides that extension of the promotion of our institutions but also us most importantly as individuals <clears throat> excuse me Okay, I love that you print them out and actually follow up on some of the things because that's that's one thing that I've kind of wanted to I've wanted to do a little bit more, maybe a, l- a little more follow up, and I like that you print it out. But um, there are a lot of Twitter chats out there, and we just met, t- we're talking about this a little bit off air about how you organize that. So how do you you know keep yours? And there you're doing something every night, and uh, how do you kind of keep yourself organized with with the mess that is kind of this explosion of Twitter chats? Well, the, ni- the nice thing is 
I'm the only part of my life that is that organized, but I do <laughs> actually put it on my Outlook calendar. I have a dry erase board that I keep in my office that puts them on there. I, you know, I feel like it's that important or that much of an investment into my personal and professional life, mainly my professional life. It's an opportunity that, you know, obviously being a single person, it's easier for me to block out hours of my day or time for that. But also, uh, there's times where I have conflicts where, you know, we have sporting events here at Pacific that, you know, disrupt that schedule. But I intentionally put it on my calendar so it is transparent to those around me that investment I'm making into my professional development. I think that's why, but also, you know, that works well for me, may not work well for others. I'm curious, kind of. And you, again, we've touched on just about everything that, that I wanted to talk about here uh, on this episode. But um, your role with the job seekers, for those that don't know, what's your brand new role, Danny? As of July 1st, I became, the, I think, one of the very first chairs of the job seekers group, taking over the big shoes and uh, irreplaceable shoes of longtime chair Lawrence Mann of San Jose State University. Lawrence is pretty much one of the, you know, I'd say foundation, bedrocks, whatever you know, term you want to use, you know, building blocks to this profession as a, you know, with his involvement with Coastside Job Seekers Community. Obviously, he, you know, embraced me as a job seeker. He embraced me as a job holder, and obviously established this program to be, in my mind, one of the top committees. If you know, we are very active, you know, group within Coastside, and obviously, it's a, it's a privilege to move to the chair role to fulfill and carry on the duties and the roles and responsibilities to, you know, our membership within COSIDA, but also just within, you know, college athletics as a whole. So what is kind of the day-to-day life or maybe some responsibilities that you have as the job seeker chairman? I would say there's day-to-day stuff. Yeah. But I, I think it's just part of my professional development that I do is I work with Lawrence and a few others within the COSIDA staff to advocate job movement. If it's where are the job holder, you know, where is the jobs being opening, but also where are people moving to? You know, I, if I see a social media post about somebody taking a new position, you know, I want to make sure I, you know, try to find out a way to communicate that. You know, I, I feel like we've done a great job early on you know, with my transition into the chair role, is that we want to take pride in the movement within our profession. A lot of people are getting brand new positions within, the, you know, the profession, but sometimes we don't publicize ourselves, and I think we need to be mindful. We need to do that for ourselves. So if it's even if it's just putting on cosida.com, I think what we can do is what I've done is, you know, when I've seen message, you know, other people then go back and screenshot their you know, transaction posted on cosida.com. And they're able to share that with their fans or their friends and their families. I think we need to do more of that as individuals. You know, like it's interesting, you know, my Facebook will blow up on my birthday, but you can't write on my wall. So it forces you to write me a message. And I think things like that, you know, why, why do you, you know, we spend all this time publicizing head coach hires. Let's spend some time publicizing our own hires or our own movement. Because obviously, you know, we need to recognize what we've accomplished, you know, we, you know, it's a way for us to recognize what we accomplished as personal and, but also professionals. It's a way for us to, you know, yes, 
how does an SID hire fall into when you're hiring a basketball coach? Do you have to do a press conference? You don't have to do that for your sports information director. But obviously, why not, you know, write a press release to announce your assistant, you know, hiring of an assistant? I think it's it goes back to before taking my job at Laterno, studying social media design and HR, merging those two together. You know, obviously, like that's what I'm saying. Why do we spend time on those projects of publicity and promotion of coach hires, but not ourselves? I think, you know, I think it's important for us to, and then obviously it's a way for our name to get out there to our media members and obviously extend that communication connection. Okay. All right. So, excuse me. Sorry. Let me try that again. So being kind of watching the job seeker process go on through, like you said, 17 years, are there any trends that you have seen as to recent job openings that people should be aware of? to the job seeker you know obviously one of the things is how you communicate that information is important how you have the online presence has evolved you know obviously when i was looking for my very first jobs back in 1999 i thought it was pretty cool when i could just email to somebody about a job well now that's pretty much a given obviously then now we have people that are developing online presences with social media channels like LinkedIn, or people are creating their own online websites. You know, how do you have that information communicated that best represents you as a job seeker? You know, obviously it used to be you would mail in, you know, or overnight mail and a, a you know eight to ten dollar package and have the best present. You wanted to have the best you know presentation and have it to them right away. Well, nowadays your job seeking can be when you're looking and you're not in a position, you know, you need to give it that time and energy as if it wasn't, as if you're in your full-time job. You know, how do you communicate that information? Working with your references, working with your past supervisors, how do you educate people? Those are still very important things, but then how that information is communicated. You know, what's the right amount of color to use? You know, obviously, what kind of paper? Those kind of things are still important, but obviously how is that is that, you know, do you have a website? How do you integrate that into your application letter? But the thing is, I go back to, you want to make sure, you know, you're in communication, you know, you want your references to have a current copy of your resume because if they're calling and asking what your references about how they work together and they have no clue what you have said about them, it could make it a very, you know, frustrating conversation for the job, you know, the person doing the reference check or, you know, looking at you as a potential candidate. I think that's important for a job seeker to understand is, you know, how you communicate and collaborate to be successful. And obviously, I'm a very proponent of the value of networking. You know, like, for example, when I considered this position, I knew somebody who was in it, but I also knew SIDs within the conference. So being able to research the position, you have to be organized as a job seeker. You can't just put your resume and you know, send it to the HR department and just hope behind it. You have to understand that you know there's different ways to connect to opportunities. Now we're going to transition to part of the interview. <clears throat> Excuse me, one more time. I'm professional, you know. <clears throat> now we're going to transition part of the interview to where I like to ask some fun questions, Danny. Uh, okay. So let's start off 
your favorite memory in your professional tenure? Trying to think there. Yeah, take your time. I, 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 I'm trying to think either working the 100th anniversary of the Army Navy game and standing on the sideline with Roger Staubach and Joe Molino, <laughs> and then being able to see that game on TV, and then later that night talking to family members who say they saw me on the sideline but they were wondering what I was doing. <laughs> so that obviously that has morphed now to I'm looking forward to September 9th in Dubuque, Iowa, when Pacific plays at Dubuque, which is you know near where almost all my fam- a lot of my family it will be at in attendance of the game. Uh-huh. And it's probably going to be probably in my professional life probably the most well attended game for me in my professional game. Like where they're there, not for you know, like I've worked at institutions where, you know, I've been at higher profile institutions where the fan base and things like that. So they would probably know a lot more, but I feel like they're there in support of me as a person. And obviously that, you know, that's a very rewarding, very humbling opportunity. When my 90 year old grandmother will say she's looking forward to that day, you know, that's rewarding. I think, you know, yes, it's interesting parallels. You have the significance of the army Navy game worldwide on a professional level, but then on the personal, I'm very much looking forward to this, you know, this football game on September 9th with Pacific playing Dubuque. Like fortunately my first year at Pacific, we played in Hawaii, great experience, but to have that same kind of, I feel like that's the same way I feel about going to Dubuque, Iowa here in, you know, early September with the Pacific football team to Iowa, because I'll have, you know, my mother, my brother, my grandmother, some aunts, uncles, cousins, and it's interesting that they're coming there to support the sports information director. You know, they probably, you know, have started to read up and know more about what's going on with Pacific football than ever before in their lives. But obviously they know by being around me that how passionate about my career and what I do and things like that. But then I also have a family member who can't make it to the game who's, you know, just as, you know, wanting to make sure we see each other while he's coming to Oregon for a different institution to play in football, but he knows how much he values family and we want to get together to see each other. And then now finding out we can take, I can take him to one of our sport events here at Pacific and just let him, he's been going to sport events as long as I've known him. He was at a Notre Dame, uh, Southern Cal football game when my oldest brother was born in 1971. So he, you know, obviously he knows how important sports is in our family. If he can be with my father when my brother's born, Obviously, he made, he's made now the time that he wants to come see me when he knows he can't be at that Dubuque Pacific football game in September. Have there been any horror stories in your professional tenure? I think the only horror stories are more personal, like where I have, you know, I feel like in some ways haven't done my job effectively. I think is probably what I would call a horror story. Okay. But obviously, how I've came back from them is 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 what made as you know. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't, I don't dread on them or, you know, but obviously, any like, when you think of horror stories, you think of like, that's the way I would look at it. But obviously, I feel like every experience is a learning opportunity, and it's an opportunity to grow as a person, but also grow as a professional. So when you look out in your conference, division, country, whatever, what have you, and you look at someone, you say, that's a good SID, what are some things that they do or some characteristics that they have that make you say that? I think the first and foremost, and maybe this is my age saying this, is just how they value themselves 
and or their family. You know, how they put that as a precedent. You know, I grew up in a family where sports was a reward. You know, my father rewarded my brother and I by taking us to sporting events. Like, that's what one of the things is that I have, that's what I value as a profession. You know, when I can, when I look at, you know, pictures of, you know, colleagues taking their son or daughters with them to their jobs, you know, to our jobs as sports information directors, when you see a six-year-old running the scoreboard at a baseball game or you see a you know young young person keeping the book at a baseball softball game. Those are moments that tug at my heart to the you know to the core. My my father passed away in two thousand nine, and I would you know I that's my only regret about September 9th is that he physically won't be there, but he he'll be there you know supporting me just like those fathers, those mothers have done for their children to take them to sporting events. I think as we talk about this, I get goosebumps but obviously that's just how i feel about it you know i think that's one thing but obviously then when i see somebody you know providing mentorship or providing leadership i think we have a great core group of young professionals that have established you know relationships within one another but they also are mindful of the we'll say older in terms of age sports information how we can how they connect you know seeing them you know, if it's the sparkles and, you know, in sport blog or, you know, seeing women, you know, being primary contacts for heavy media sports, seeing that development of people are, you know, that, you know, that's what, you know, encourages me as a sports information. But then also, you know, I'm, I tell people I'm very, I don't know Photoshop that well, but when people do things like that, I want make sure that I send them an email saying that looks nice or you know lighting that spark in them to continue to going out to do the rigors of our day-to-day jobs I think like I tell people I'm the biggest cheerleader in sports information I want people to know that I advocate for our profession I value our profession I value the people that do our profession I think that's one thing you know regardless of you know situation or circumstance I want them to know that hey they have that shoulder to lean on but also that shoulder that will prop them up, you know, like that's why I was saying with job seekers, like I want people to feel like they should recognize their new position. And obviously as, you know, someone that works in the profession, obviously there's an opportunity for us to help each other. You know, when you can go to a sporting event and see, well, this school's playing this school, but then why is that? Like, for example, we just hired a new assistant volleyball coach. Well, he remembered meeting me because I came to his school last year after one of our football games to do stats for their volleyball match. Well, obviously, you know, that kind of having that kind of relationship with them, you know, obviously helps advocate our profession, that we are a bond of brothers and sisters. We are there to help each other. I think that's important for us to do. You know, we, I, like I said about sending the notes to people, encouraging, you know, some of us, you know, we are consumed by this profession, but we also need time for ourselves as people. And, you know, obviously I started my own personal fitness journey. And it's, it's interesting to, you know, feel the, the, you know, pats on the backs from colleagues and with others within the profession as I go through this, you know, that there's that kind of support for each other in that aspect. You know, it's one of our, you know, colleagues in the profession. It's a husband and wife that are having their anniversary. They're both in this profession. And how they balance 
that married life and to be very good sports information directors is something that catches my eye and it's something that I admire from a distance. What would one piece of advice be you would give to a student going into this profession? Probably my number one advice, and I, you know, I could get away with just saying get set, but I won't say that. <laughs> my other advice would be it's just to be patient. It's a process. You know, I knew when I was working at the Naval Academy, I had aspirations and goals, but obviously it took a lot, a lot of windy roads and different time zones, different states of travel different colleagues to get to my current position. But I had to be patient on the process. If it was applying for jobs or patient on working with coaches, colleagues, administrators, you know, just being patient on the process. That would be my, my number one advice. Okay. Uh, one, what's one thing you're interested to learn more about in this profession? I, I think the one thing I would like to learn more about is just to you know, learn more about why people do this. You know, I think is because obviously I have different motivations, different you know strategies, but I think the continuum of having knowing that why, you know, because I think we have people that came into this profession kind of blind sometimes, but also or they've been in it for so long they don't know that why. So I think recharging that why into people, as either as because I have job security chairperson on the Columbus State Community College Advisory Committee for the Sport and Exercise Studies Program. Just continue to energize and find out that why. Okay, so uh, let's see. Work-life balance, what do you do to have fun? In terms of work-life balance, obviously I consider the Twitter chat as part of my work-life balance. <laughs> also, like I said, I recently started the fitness journey where I try to do some kind of physical activity and usually I try to do it for at least an hour of just doing some kind of activity. You know, last night was the first time I took a walk and had to use my GPS to get back home because I didn't know where I was. But other than that, I also, for work-life balance, I'm a very, I use social media as a way of, to connect with people, mainly people from my past. You know, if it's people I've met at the convention, like my interaction yesterday with a high school classmate who I've not seen since we graduated high school had that interaction with her as she met my mother at the eye doctor yesterday, having that kind of interaction. So I use social media in that aspect. I value that, but I also take advantage of that time to read on that. But then I'm also a part of this, you know, Mark Hodgkin's sport, sports book, business book exchange, but then I also work with a few book publicists to read their books you know, so obviously I do a lot of reading, but also I'm also very thankful that I have people in my life that I talk to daily that help keep me grounded and rooted and help me grow as a person. And I think that's very important for me in my in my work-life balance is I have that kind of established in my life, and I'm very thankful for it. It's something, you know, like I said, with losing my father in 2009, I would do anything to have, you know, just to have my dad's presence every day, but I have people around me in my day-to-day -day life that pick me up when I need to be picked up or pat me on the back when I need to be pat on the back or kick me in the backside when I need to be kicked in the backside. I'm, I'm thankful I have those people in my day-to-day -day life, which provides that work-life balance. And then my last part of work-life balance is I have to also give the utmost praise for my boss. He understands how much I love this job, but how much 
you know, that he values that aspect of the job. You know, he's been very supportive in personal situations, but he's also been very supportive in professional situations for me to have this work-life balance. All right. So um, I know we, we've mentioned you've been a lot of places, and this can be in Florida, Texas, Oregon, Iowa. You pick. It's, this is all you. What is your restaurant or bar recommendation? Well, I can't. Yeah, take your time. I'd say that um, the restaurant is still there. The bar is not. So cause my college class, junior college classmates would probably say one bar. But I won't mention that because it no longer exists, and we don't need to publicize that. Yeah. Uh, in terms of restaurant, I'm still, you know, obviously, I guess most recently I was back in Iowa for a family function, and I really enjoyed going to the Country Junction in Dyersville, Iowa. And coincidentally, one of my former Indiana State student athletes who I worked with, who when I worked there, never played on the field because she was injured early in her career. So she stood on the sidelines with me while, as an aspiring digital photographer back in 2000, 2001 and 2000, you know, through 2003, standing on the sidelines. So we got to know each other very well. But obviously, she, her and her family were at the Country Junction also earlier this summer. And it's interesting, like, like I said, with social media, how I keep up with past student-athletes, coaches, administrators, people I've met on airplanes, things like that, that... Obviously, when I saw a picture of her at the Country Junction, it brought back those core values of mine that are important of being family. You know, it's a very family-centered restaurant. We have used it as a family meeting place. It's a, you know, when I was back for my family function last month, it was nice to sit there with all, a lot of my aunts and uncles and my cousins. You know, felt like a family, you know, family-style Thanksgiving size, you know, maybe, you know, family-sized meal and a chance just to reflect and be there with one another and that's why that re restaurant would be my recommendation and would encourage anybody to visit perfect so uh if anybody had maybe wanted to follow up with you maybe had any questions uh from this interview what would be the best way to get in touch with you well like i said obviously you can find me you know through social media obviously one thing is on my facebook page you won't see a picture of me too often i'm not I'm not one of, I'm not the Rob Knox variety of selfies. So <laughs> it was interesting to do an individual picture with Holly Rowe and John Gordon, two influential people in my in my life this summer at Cosida. But not too often do I take a picture of myself or with me being in it and then publicizing or sharing that on social media. But you can find I'm active on you know Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. My Instagram is mainly scenery pictures. You're not gonna see pictures of I feel like I work in sports. My sports pictures are to help tell stories, but you know everything is, you know, tw Twitter's at Danny Campbell, or if you probably do a search on the hashtag GetSec, you probably can loop that back and find me that way. I have an open account, and you can follow me that way. And obviously, you know, through interactions, you know, if you send me a LinkedIn invite, make sure you reference that we you heard me here on this podcast, so that way, because if you're using LinkedIn, you shouldn't just send open connection requests. You should talk about you know that correspondence because that allows that further you know growth of that social media channel for you to and now with the ability to add video to it it should be interesting perfect danny thank you for coming on not a problem i'm glad that you uh finally did you're actually on my list of people there for quite a, quite a long time uh so i i'm but that's okay. 
Yeah, I'm very, very happy that you came on. This was a great episode, and uh, I hope that you all think so, too. If you haven't already, head over to iTunes and click the rate and review thing. We just need a couple. I I haven't checked in a while, but we've had a couple five stars, not to toot my own horn, but um, we're doing pretty great over there, so you should definitely uh, join in on on some of the rating reviewing. And you can also join in on some conversation as well as uh, get these episodes first on our social media pages at Sports Infocast on both Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I'm going to try and do some behind-the-scenes stuff here very, very soon. Uh, and by the time that this episode is going out, I will have moved down to my new apartment, and I will probably do a little kind of behind-the-scenes video of – I'm, I'm turning this walk-in closet, Danny, into, into like a, a, an office for me and like a recording studio. Like, I'm soundproof to get and everything, so I'm going to show everybody that. But um, next week, it's a secret, mainly because I haven't gotten that far yet. This is August, and uh, we will get it, I guess, as soon as I possibly can. So um, thank you all for listening. We hope to catch you all in the next episode.